Thanks, Eddie. If you can keep your Bibles open to 1 John chapter 4, let's go through that together. And uh, we have been going through 1 John, and really we are reaching the climax. I mean, this is uh, the, some of the most important parts of John. Uh, I think this is one of the reasons why John uh, wrote this letter, to get to this point. Um, so let's come um, and let's ask God to speak to us. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great thanks that you are love, that you have shown your love to us in sending your son and for your son to die as atoning sacrifice for our sins. And we pray that you will speak to us and show us um, what that means, that our lives might be changed by it. Speak to us through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, certain things are inevitable, right? If you eat a lot but don't exercise, you will inevitably grow bigger. If you stay up all night on Saturday night, I know some of you do, and then come to church, you will doze off in my sermon. That's not me. That's on you. If you eat a bag, a whole bag of Doritos as a substitute for dinner as I have done a few times, well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's better that you don't find out. Things happen to you that's not good. There are certain things that are inevitable. And the thing that, as we go, were going through First John, the thing that struck me most about First John is that um, John's, John's confidence that there, is, there are certain things that are inevitable in the Christian life, in the Christian faith. He says, if we have the Spirit... We will believe in the right thing, that Jesus is the Christ, Son of God. If we are Christians, he says, you will inevitably grow in righteousness and holiness. There is that inward thrust for holiness, as John Stodd put it. It's inevitable. And today, John says, if we are Christians, that we will love each other. He's so confident that he can say that those who do not love in this way do not know God. They're not Christians because God is love, he says in verses 7 and 8. Later in 20 and 21, he says that if we are Christians, uh, if, we, if we call ourselves Christian but hate our brothers and sisters, people who, can, who we can see and who we can touch, if we hate them, if we don't love them, then we are liars. Loving God inevitably leads us to loving each other. They're related. In fact, actually, uh, they're related in the first uh, two words of, uh, of our reading together in, in verse 7. It says in verse 7, dear friends, let us love each other. Dear friends literally is dear beloved ones, people who are loved. It's agapetoi. You know the word agape, right? Um, uh, It's beloved ones, let us love. Agapomen, it says. Because you are loved, because your identity is so changed in such a way that love is ingrained in who you are, because you are the beloved ones, he says, let us love one another. Well, that makes us Christian. That, 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 I mean, there is something different about Christian, Christians and uh, that makes us uh, love each other. Well, what's the difference? Well, John says, uh, John gives, I think, three reasons. And the first is, is found in the first chunk, uh, verses 7 through 11. It makes us, uh, we are different because we know a certain kind of love that the world does not know. We know this love. We are different because we know this extraordinary kind of love that God has shown us. 
The world does not yet know. Verse 8 tells us that God is love. Think about that. It doesn't say that God loves. Love isn't something that God does, as if it's one of many activities God indulges in. That's not, when John says God is love, he's saying something very different. He's making a statement about who God is. If you take love out of me, I'm still you, but a lot less pleasant. But when you take love out of God, God is no longer God because God is love. He's saying something about God's essence here. God is love. He cannot help but love because he is love in every way. And he has shown us his love in his interaction with us in verses 9 and 10. He writes, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If we understood these words, what he says in these four verses, in, the, in verses 9 and 10, it would change our life. This is, these verses are so packed full of amazing, God, amazing goodness here. He says, first, he sent his one and only son, only begotten son. And those of you know, uh, those of you who have uh, just one child, know how precious they are to you. The things that they're, they're allowed to do and things that are not allowed to do. Well, Jesus is God's only son. And he is precious to him. Yet, he sent his son to the world. And we also know what John thinks about the world. The world is not a friendly place. The world is a place where Satan rules. The world is a hostile place, the place that did not know or love him back. On top of that, he did this uh, to the people who did not love him, verse 10, he says. Have you ever been in a relationship where uh, the other person didn't love you back? You know how hard that is. You give and give, and he takes and takes, and there's nothing in return. If you've been in that relationship, you know how difficult it is to continue to love that person, we didn't love God, but God loves us. God loved us, and he sent his son. And the sending his son cost uh, the, 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 the life of his son. John tells us in verse 10 that Jesus became our atoning sacrifice, that he sent his son on a rescue mission that required his life. He became the sacrifice He became the blood that was sprinkled over us that we might be cleansed. So to make all those who trust in him would be made clean. So, he writes in verse 11, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And that's so, um, since God so loved us, that doesn't mean very much loved us. It means he loved us in this way. Because God, since God loved us in this way, selflessly, wholeheartedly, concretely, and sacrificially, since we have been loved in this way, and since we know that kind of love, he says, let us love one another. Here's the thing. We want to be a church. Shatin Church wants to be a church that, where that love flows. Church that loves each other. But it is hard to love each other. And those, who, uh, those of you who have tried you know how hard it is. 
And I know there are people in the church who have been disappointed because they were not taken care of when they needed it. When they, they were not loved when they needed love the most. And I, I'm sorry that happens. I'm sorry that has happened in this church. But the solution to this problem isn't just to say to one another, let's try harder. Let's just love more. Let's be more self, uh, selfless and more self, self-sacrificial. It's not to demand that sort of love from each other. It's not to tell each other to love more. Can you imagine a church like that? That would be a nightmare where, where each of us is telling other, you need to do more. You need to do more to love me. You need to do more to love other people. You see, John says the key to loving, to becoming this sort of church is to be transformed by God's love. John points us to the love that we all have and we all have received. The key to becoming a loving church is becoming a gospel-centered, gospel-preaching, gospel-reminding church. We have to know God's love first in order for us to love each other. Is that what we're doing? Is that what we're doing? Is that what we're doing at every level of our church life? If you're parents, are you telling your kids to continue to do better, to love more, to be more selfless, more self-sacrificial? Or are you telling your kids about how much God, God loved them? Links groups, small group conversations, coffee conversations need to be about how much God loved us. We need to point each other, remind each other that God loved us. In Salt, Solid Rock, Revelation Warriors, Kingdom Kids, Men and Women's Group, in every gathering, we need to be telling each other, reminding each other of the gospel so that the story of Jesus Christ underlines everything that we do in all of our interactions, in all of our fellowship, that the love might flow from the knowledge that God loves us so much that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. When we forget that, we, we can't love When we forget that, we can't become the kind of church that we want to become. We need to know this love. And we need to remind ourselves of how much we have loved, we have been loved. Well, you might say that knowing is one thing. I know this love. But actually doing is, doing it is quite another thing. I know it, but I'm just too tired. I don't have the energy, and I'm too busy. I live in Hong Kong. Don't you know, you might say. But here's the good news. Yet another reason why love is inevitable in the Christian life. Because John says we don't have to do it alone. We do it with God's help, with God who is in us. See, in John, uh, take a look at verse 13. John tells us that he has given his spirit. And if you're wondering whether you have the spirit or not, this is the quick test in verse 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God and God lives in them and he, uh, they in God. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, um, the, the Lord, your Lord and Savior, then the Spirit lives in you. God is in you. The Spirit is in you. And John tells us that we have the Holy Spirit so that he can tell us verse 16. He says, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. We can know and rely on this God, uh, God who loved us, who is in us. And isn't that good news 
for people who live in Hong Kong, people who are already, who feel already overstretched and overcommitted, that God is, uh, God lives in us. Christianity has these both parts. You have to know, right? You have to know certain things about God. You have to uh, know that, that, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. But there is a other part, the, the supernatural part. When you come to know Jesus, the Spirit comes to live in us. He is a real reality that is in us, he says. But knowing God objectively is complemented by the supernatural element. God lives in us in his Spirit. There is in us strength that we didn't know that we had because we didn't have it before. It, is, it comes from God. God lives in us. There is a force in us that is making us like Christ, he says. Take a look at verse 17. He says, in this world, we will be like Christ. That's because of the power of the Spirit that is in us. There is, that is giving us the strength to love like him so that we can love the undeserving and the unlovable. And I know that many of you in Christian marriages, this is what you practice, don't you, already? There are times when you've relied on your own resources and on your own patience and character capacity and you've just grown tired. You can't handle it anymore. And John says, don't rely on your capacity there. He's saying, look up on those moments. You need to remind yourself what Christ has done. Know that love. And you need to rely on that love. You need to pray. And you need to say, God, help me to love my spouse as you have loved me. I need to rely on your love. Because I'm too tired to do this by myself. I'm too angry to forgive and whatnot. You need to rely on that love in your marriage. You need to rely on that, uh, on that love if you are parents raising your children. And we certainly need to rely on that love if we're going to be a church that loves one another. We need to rely on God's love for us and not on our own strength. In order for Shatin Church to love like this, the source of love, source of our strength to love must come from outside of ourselves. It must come from God, the Spirit that lives in us. We can trust and rely on that love. And if we trust in that love that God has for us, we can love radically. We will love differently from the rest of the world. Think about that. One of the reasons why people don't take the risk of loving each other is because they have been hurt before. They have loved, and they, they found that they didn't get anything back. The person didn't appreciate it. Maybe the person even hurt the other person, and they're hurt. They're afraid to love. But trusting God's love means for us, that it means that we can trust that God will heal us, that God will make us whole, that God will renew our strength to love. Think about what Jesus did how he went to the cross. Jesus trusted in his Father's power and Father's love to raise him up again, even if he is killed. The cost of love, that, that, that he would be healed, that he would be repaid, he relied on that love so he could give himself completely. If we rely on God's love, that God will make us whole again, that God will repay us for the things that we do, we can love radically. We not, must rely on that love in order for us to love radically. It also means that we're able to forgive each other. 
I was a I asked a friend of mine um, what she thought that uh, uh, distinguishes Christian marriages from all other marriages, and she said that it's just the forgiveness, how uh, she's amazed that her husband could forgive her again and again and again. Well, I know him, and I know that he, he can only do that because he relies on God's love for him, because he knows that he's been forgiven again and again by God. And that should be the case in our life together as well. We're all sinful people here. We will hurt each other. We will at times be really disappointed in each other as we try to love each other. So we must rely on God's love if we are to love radically, if we are to to forgive and love again. We must continue to pray that God will make us a people who can love, who will love each other. So imagine a church. Imagine a church that relies on their own, the strength and character of each person to love like Jesus did. Imagine a church like that. And then also try to imagine a church that, that loves, that relies on the love that God has for us, the strength that God gives us to love. And what that would look like. Are we a church that relies on our love, on our character, on our own strength? Are we a, or are we a church that relies on God's love for us, that trusts in God's love for us? And before we end, uh, the final, uh, the third point, there is this inevitability of Christian love because God's love is transforming. This is what John Hint said in verses 18 and 19. He tells us that there is no fear in love, that perfect love drives out all fear. We need to understand something. Loving other people is not an option that we can consider. It is our Lord's command. Jesus tells us to love each other in John chapter 13, 34, 35, that this is the new command that he gives us. If he were to give one command, he says, love each other. And Apostle John tells us the same thing verses in verse 7 and 11. This is not an option that we can consider. This is a command that God gives us. We must obey our Lord, but we're no longer slaves, driven to obedience by fear. Slaves obey because they fear their master. They fear the consequences And fear is not transformative. When have you gone above and beyond because of fear? If we love each other out of fear of God's punishment, because if we don't, if I don't do this for you because God will punish me, we'll try to get away with doing as little as possible. We'll do it for a while, but we'll discontinue when it gets hard. We'll do it, but we'll do it without any passion. We'll quickly run into our limits. Yes? We need, to, we need to obey Lord's command, but we obey with a completely different motivation. We obey because we have been transformed by what God has done for us, because we have become God's children. We are dearly beloved. We are agapetoi, as he says, dearly beloved ones, people who are loved by God, people who have become heirs of God, people who have become children of God, people who love God. Our motivation has changed from fear to love. We love because he first loved us. 
He died for us, forgiven our sins, and calls us his own. And you know that that love is transformative. You have experienced it, I'm sure, in your life. You know the list of things that you've done for the people that you love. You've flown thousands of miles, driven hundreds. You've learned an entirely different language for the people that you love. You go to a different country. You stayed up in the oddest hours that did things that you thought that you'd never do. That's not out of fear. That's out of love. You wake up in the middle of the night to change nappies and feed three, four times a night. That's not out of fear. That's out of love. You're driven. You've changed the entire orientation of your life and live for your children or your, your spouse. That's not out of fear. That's out of love. Love transforms people. Love is transformative. You see, um, that's one of the reasons why God has sent his son. Because he knew that as we come to know him and what, we, what God has done for us in him, that love, that knowing that love will transform us. God's knowing God's love transform us. It may, makes us love God. It makes us want to please God and live for him and do things for him and obey him. Not out of fear, but because of love. It has to be, it has to be the case that your obedience comes from love if you're a Christian. If you understand what God has done for you, you will love out of love for God. You will love your brothers and sisters out of love for God. So what kind of a person are you? Are you a person who's driven by fear, punishment, or it is, is it driven by love for God? Is there joy in your obedience? Is there passion? Is there going above and beyond quality in your love? Is there self-sacrificing, self-giving element there? Is that you? Or do you just do the bare minimum? Do you think about what can I get away with? In the verses 7 through 21, the word love occurs 28 times, I counted. 28 times. And John repeatedly tells us to love each other, which just means that loving is really difficult. It doesn't come naturally to us. We need to be reminded of what God has done for us, and we need to be reminded that this is a hard thing, that we must love each other. But if we do this, something amazing happens. We start making God visible in this world. We start experiencing God in our love for each other. Head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. Head knowledge becomes experiential knowledge. Take a look at the amazing promise that God has given us in verse 12. No one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God, but if you love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. If we love one another... God, who has not seen, is, 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 is seen. God, uh, uh, if we love one another, we get to experience God. God's love is made complete and perfect in our love for each other. We will experience God and his love in our love for each other. People, who are, people are hungry for experience of God and for, for God's love in this world. There are praying people, crying people, people who go to conferences and churches, uh, retreats, prayer mountains, because they are hungry to experience God's love. And doing these things have their place. But you see what John is saying. He's saying that the primary place where we experience God's love is in the church fellowship. 
God's love is made complete and perfect in our love for each other, in our bringing food to each other, in our meeting up for coffee, in our comforting one another in times of uh, sorrow, in our prayers, in our joint worship, in our selfless actions, in our gift-giving, in our volunteering, in our visiting, in our asking questions, in our listening. God's love is made visible there. What God has started in you is being made complete there in those things. It is hard to love. But when our, when our love in Shatin Church is grounded powerfully in God's, God's love, when we know and when we understand this love and when we rely on God's love, that love that laid down his life for us, we will experience, we will experience a transformation that will affect our life together. This church will be filled with the divine quality that the world has not seen, that the world longs for, a community that the, the world longs to belong, since God's love is made perfect. Dear friends, dear beloved ones, dear people whose inner identity is ingrained in this love, let's love each other. Let's pray. Lord, we once again for the amazing love that you have shown us in sending your son. We thank you for the grace in your son. We thank you that on the cross we know how much we are loved. And we thank you for sending us your spirit. That we don't have to draw from our own resources and strength, but we can rely on you. We can trust you completely. And help us to love one another. Help us to love one another. Lord, help us to love in such a way that the world knows that the one who loves radically has come into this world. The one who loves radically is transforming the people in this world. And may we be a community of love that all people as they come into this church will experience the divine quality of love in us. Lord, we need your help. Send us your spirit. Help us to go deeper and deeper in our knowledge of you and help us to grow in our capacity to love each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.